0: Welcome back to the Freedom Flipping Podcast, where we're all about building up and selling online businesses to achieve financial freedom. This is episode eight, and on today's show, I've got a great guest, Dominic Wells from humanproofdesigns.com. Dominic is a fellow Brit, so that's three in a row. We're like buses, huh? And uh, he offers a unique service. He offers done-for-you pre-built niche sites, and we get into how that works out. And we talk about a lot of specifics on this show of uh, best practices of ways of structuring niche sites in 2017 in terms of the content and links. And uh, bef- before I run the episode, we've actually had our first review on iTunes, at least the iTunes that I can see. Uh, even using a PBN, uh, I'm not sure that I can see the US uh, version of iTunes. I, can, I think I may only be seeing the UK. So if you have left a review, um, if you wouldn't mind emailing me a screenshot at richard at Richardpaty.com, that would be helpful. And, uh, but we actually have received one by a guy called Tom Bull, who says, Impressive. Uh, interviews that have changed my perspective and shown me a fascinating world of web opportunities I, knew, I never knew existed. I highly recommend anyone with any ambition to listen to every word this guy has to say. Wow, it's pretty strong. Five-star review. Very uh, kind words. Many thanks, Tom. And yes, if you guys listening now, if you could do similar, I'd really appreciate it. It helps more people discover the show. So without further ado, here is the episode with Dom. Just uh, a little correction, I actually recorded this episode after the one with Thomas from FE International and before the one with Mark from Authority Hacker, but the episodes got switched around. So it's not two Brits in a row, it is actually three Brits in a row, so apologies for that. I'm sure we can get some Americans back on the show pretty soon. Uh, So here is the chat with me and Dom. Cheers. Hey, how's it going, Dom? Hey, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, sir. So uh, you're a Brit as well? Yes, that's correct. In the last episode, I had Thomas from Effie International. And uh, I said then it's quite uncommon to uh, talk with other uh, non-American people. So this uh, this is quite something, two in a row
1: yeah and i actually am quite good friends with thomas as well so cool, that's cool. even more uh, special <laughs>
0: are you uh so you're currently in london yeah that's right and uh whereabouts in the uk are you originally from then
1: um i grew up just outside of london about 30 minutes south
0: um Surrey, basically yeah. and uh where do you spend most of your time now then Um, that's a, that's a question.
1: I'm kind of in transit right now. Uh, I spent the last eight years in Taiwan and then, um, I spent most of 2016 traveling around. So we spent about 11 months in Canada, but while we were in Canada, that's, that's my wife and I, while we were there, um, we did a lot of traveling around as well, went to lots of different cities. So now we've come back to London for the summer And we may, at the end of the summer, we're going to go back to Asia for a a little while and then we're going to kind of decide, are we going to stay in Asia or are we going to come back to England and settle? Uh,
0: What was the reason you first went out to Taiwan?
1: Um, I went to teach English, the same as most people who go to Taiwan. Yeah, I've got a friend doing
0: exactly that, yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, I think 90% of white people in Taiwan are either English teachers or missionaries, or people working for big companies. um, I mean, that's it. But I think probably 60-70% of them are English teachers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for me, I chose Taiwan because my brother's wife is Taiwanese as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I had been to Taiwan before for their marriage, and I had just graduated from university. I didn't know where I wanted to go, but knew I wanted to go somewhere. And so my brother was naturally saying, mm-hmm. you should go to Taiwan, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I went. I thought, yeah, why not? I'll go for one year or two years and see what happens. And um, yeah, stayed for eight years. And is your wife
0: Taiwanese? Yes, she yep. is. Yeah. Whereabouts in Canada did you go? I did a ski season 10 years ago in Whistler and uh, actually got married last year uh, and took my wife uh, on honeymoon to, uh, uh, we flew into uh, Calgary and, and drove across to, to the coast of Vancouver. So uh, I know that part of, the, of Canada pretty well.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a nice drive, apparently.
0: Yeah, it's tough as hell, actually. <laughs> and and, and uh, twice I've, I've done it now, and the exactly the same spot. It's little uh, mountain town and pass around Merritt, and I've just had the the most torrential weather you could ever imagine. Like this time, it was, a, it was in a, uh, April, May, but it was a proper mountain storm. Huge flooding and, and thunder and lightning, and I was just in this little hire car and uh, really tough driving, so it, it's never an easy drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I
1: um so I spent uh, seven months in Montreal, um
0: mm-hmm.
1: because my wife's learning French and she wanted to go somewhere where she could continue learning French, but I didn't want to go full on Quebec, so that was the compromise. Yeah. And then we did five months in um Vancouver, mm-hmm. just just finished um just, just recently got back to England.
0: Oh wow, excellent. Um so where are we now? We're in April. So uh yeah, so you were there during the winter?
1: Yeah, we, we did Montreal last April until November mm-hmm. and then we got out before the snow came and we arrived in Vancouver December 1st and yeah. it snowed for three days. Yeah, it so. was a
0: huge <laughs> snowfall this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we we kind of were like, yeah, we're coming to the the warmer city to avoid the snow. And Vancouver had its worst winter for thirty years or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. Did you get to Whistler? Do you ski or snowboard?
1: Um, I didn't get to Whistler because, so I did go skiing in. Um, I went snowboarding in Vancouver in um,
0: Cypress Mountain. Oh, Cypress, yeah. yeah, Cyprus.
1: Yep. and then. I've only snowboarded like once or twice before. So I thought, okay, I'll I'll go to Cyprus once and then I'll go to Whistler later. And I ended up about two weeks later, I sprained my ankle and I thought, okay, no point going to Whistler for a week with a sprained ankle. So I never made it to Whistler.
0: Yeah, Yeah, very cool, man. So um, how long have you uh, been involved in in this online game? So what you're doing with Human Proof Designs, that's your main business, I take it, and that's what's uh, generating uh, the bulk, if not all, of your income right now? Or uh, So, yeah, double, I guess, two questions. How, how long have you been involved in, in this, and uh, what are you currently doing to support your travels?
1: Okay, um, so I got started towards the end of 2012. Um at that point, I had been in Taiwan about four years, and I wanted to stay longer, but I didn't want to teach any longer. And teaching English, um, you can have a very nice life, pretty good salary in uh, in Taiwan, but mm-hmm. there's a there's a ceiling that you hit very quickly. So it's like, am I going to be earning two thousand dollars for the rest of my life? So yeah, I, I started looking online, read books like um, The Four Hour Work Week, which many people. Get started with. Um, and yeah, I started out with affiliate marketing and just making and ranking Amazon sites, niche sites, ClickBank sites, stuff like that. And then in 2013, so it was about a year, it feels like a lot longer, but it was only about a year after I got started that I started Human Proof Designs. And yeah, that's easily the bulk of what I do now. It's mm-hmm. where I spend the bulk of my time, but I do have. I still have income from my own niche sites. Um, I think it's important if I'm kind of selling affiliate marketing and niche sites, it's important that I still maintain my own portfolio as well.
0: Yeah. So yeah, back in 2012, uh, 13, so you would have missed the, the kind of AdSense days. Did you go straight to affiliate and, and Amazon?
1: Um, yeah, I, I kind of, so I guess April 2012 was when Google Penguin came out. And I got started in August, so mm-hmm. I guess I was brought up in the kind of second generation. Yeah, me uh, too. Yeah, I, I did put AdSense on my sites, but I think to this day I've probably only earned like $1,000 in five years from AdSense. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't really talk about that much.
0: <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so the, the first monetization um, that you had most success with, was it sending people to Amazon? Was that the, uh, the thing that started it for you?
1: Um. So my first dollar came from Amazon, but actually, um, I started a a website about kettlebells, and um, there was a really good kettlebell DVD on ClickBank at the time. It was oh. one of those rare products on ClickBank, which is good. Yeah. And um, it was like a series as well, so I got twenty-seven dollar commission for every um, every copy, and yeah, we were. I was making about five or six hundred dollars a month from that product. Um, and then later on, one of my more successful sites was, um, definitely with Amazon. And I kind of went into that website with the mentality that I didn't really like Amazon because the, um, the commissions are not that high, the the cookies, not that long, Mm -hmm. the usual, the usual reason why people don't like Amazon. And this website was only making about $40 a month because I was trying to get people to buy, products from other vendors with higher commission. And then one day I thought, I'm actually doing okay with Amazon on this site, so maybe I should go all in with it. And I just transferred everything to promoting Amazon products and just getting clicks. Mm -hmm. And then I did a few other things as well, but long story short, that site went on to make 500 and then 1,000 and then $2,000 a month. Um, So I changed my opinion on Amazon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's the huge uh, conversion rate once people uh, arrive on Amazon, um, and the fact that they can obviously add other things to their to their basket that, that makes it profitable, even though uh, the commission is low and, and the cookie is really short. It's the uh, it's the super high conversion rate um, that it, that it allows people to to make good money uh, doing what you did. Um, so. So you you built out a number of other new sites. Did you actually, it's your uh, philosophy to to build and hold or did you sell any along the way? Um,
1: Yeah, I've sold a few sites
0: along the way and it really depends
1: on that particular site or what I'm working on at the time. So there's one site I sold because I wanted to invest in another business um, and I thought, this site's only making me a couple of grand a month. I can live without that, but the, the 20 mm-hmm. to $30,000 I got for it would go a long way to investing in this other thing. So um, generally I will build them and hold them. And if they get to a point where I think I've probably maximized the site or if I build any more links to it, it's gonna get risky. So I might think, okay, I'll sell it to someone who has a bigger link building budget or you know, like just pass the site off to somebody else.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've just done similar. Uh, I sold uh, my main business through through Effie uh, just last month. Um, okay, very cool. So, the the bulk of your income right now is is through the services that you offer on Human Proof Designs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so I've I've had a good look, and we we've just uh, briefly chatted beforehand. Um, and so the the main thing would I be correct in saying that the main um, Product offering that you have are the uh, the, the research sites that uh, the, the research that you do for, for potential sites that you then build out when people purchase, and you also have age sites. Is uh, is that a smaller proportion of, uh, of the income? What is the the biggest uh, uh, part of your business right now?
1: Um, yeah, the the age sites are like the the high end offer, but obviously fewer people go for them. We probably sell. 10 of them a month, mm-hmm. um, and then the actual, the done-for-you sites that we we call ready-made, but they're not actually ready-made yet, so we've been thinking about changing the name. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, we they're easily the bulk of what we do, and we get a lot of people who come to us with their own niche ideas and hire us to build out sites for them as well, so they're like custom versions of the same package.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you've built a team that fulfills for you.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm. I haven't touched one of our websites for about two years.
0: So. And uh, it's all remote. And uh, yeah, w- how have you recruited people? Where Where from? And and what part of the world? Um, all over.
1: So my core kind of leadership team are actually um, two of them are in Canada. One of them is in um, Minneapolis. One of them is in Chiang Mai, but he's from Spain. Uh, One of them is another Brit, but he lives in Finland. And there's a South African as well. So that's like the main core management. And then um, at the lower end, we have people from all over, lots of Filipinos who help with assembling the sites and things where you don't necessarily need to have perfect English and Mm -hmm. they can work well. And they love earning US dollars as well. So it's, um, it's a good situation for all of us
0: yeah very good um, and in terms of uh, targeting these sites I see that you uh, you pick out a, a main keyword that has at least a thousand searches a month uh, and then you focus the site around that um, how, how big do you recommend building these these uh, new sites in terms of uh, kind of ROI do you, do you is your because um, I know you offer a lot of training support uh, as part of the uh, the packages that you offer. Um, do you recommend getting to a, a set size and then building up another new site or do you as uh, part of the process to actually uh, if it's if it's working people will double down and turn it more into a, a bigger site or, a, or an authority site? Um, interested in, in your thoughts uh, about about that and uh, because I, I guess targeting a, a keyword of a, of a thousand searches a month is is relatively small. Obviously, with with all the phrases together, and uh, you know, you break it down in a, in a very good way in terms of the potential income. Um, is it still the way that you are recommending and building? Will these always, you know, remain new sites, and, and people will have a uh, a good number in their portfolio? To uh, is that the better approach, or, or can they transition into something bigger?
1: Um. Yeah, so that's multiple questions <laughs> in one there. Um so yeah, first of all, I always encourage people to build out the sites. In fact, I'm pretty I'm I think I'm pretty clear in saying that if they buy the site and do nothing, then not a lot's gonna happen. Um and so it doesn't just that doesn't just refer to link building, it refers to actually building out the site. So when we build it with one main keyword. Um, it's, it's usually more than one anyway. It's because like, if you, if you're targeting something like best straight razor, just through the process of having a 4,000 word article about that, you're going to end up targeting a whole bunch of keywords. Mm -hmm. And then we also recommend, um, info keywords and more specific review keywords like, um, specific razors in this example. But we, we give people, every keyword we can find in the niche and we say, go build more content around more keywords Um, because these days you really, we're we're kind of past the point where you can put up an 8,000 word website and it will rank. Um, you really need 30 to 50 articles and like, let's say 1000 words, on average per article. So you you really want to get a website to being about 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 words. Mm -hmm. And then when it gets to that point, um, it really depends what they do with it next. So some niche sites, um, maybe they're making some decent money and the person just says, okay, that's great. I'm going to start my next one. Or maybe they think they've only just scratching the surface and they want to dig deeper. I think, different sites, you know, you might get to the point where your site's making 1000 or 2000 a month and you think it's going to be a real ton of work to get an extra thousand a month out of it. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go build another site, but then other niches you think 2000 isn't even scratching the surface. You've, you've still got so many keywords that you, uh, you haven't yet ranked for. So it really depends on each individual person. and I tend to, I, I really enjoy building sites and ranking them. So when I get a site to 2,000 a month, I might think, yeah, I'm just going to go start another one. Whereas other people get one site and they squeeze it and squeeze <laughs> it until it gets to like 7,000 a month. So yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Do, do you keep the domain name quite broad then to give people the chance to to widen out, um, or, or do you focus um, the domain name around that that keyword or niche not in terms of exact uh, exact domain name but um what are, your, what are your thoughts on 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 that so because your main offering you come up with the with the research and then people pay you to, to build the site out um so do you have the actual exact domain name in mind or is there flexibility there and is there a discussion with the customer on what that should be um yeah
1: so what we usually do some customers come to us already with a domain Uh, that they own uh, or others have a specific domain that they have in mind Um, usually our team will go and research five suggestions and we'll come back to the customer and say hey which one of these do you want and then they pick one hopefully or sometimes there might be a bit of back and forth Um, but yeah usually they'll pick one of those and then we'll go and register it and in terms of how we choose them yeah I don't I don't see any disadvantage in going relatively broad. Like, yeah. so if if your if your website, if we go with the kind of razor example, if your website was like straightrazor.com, I don't see how that would benefit you versus shavingtips.com. Or you know, th- those are bad examples, but yeah, it, it-,
0: it can only benefit you if you set yourself up to go broad. And that's your strategy with the age domains, with the domains that you actually purchase. You're going broader with those, yeah?
1: Yeah, the majority of them. We do have some where sometimes we'll have a customer who they started out with a site and then they say to us, actually, I don't want this site anymore. And so maybe we'll buy it back off them and sell it as an age later when it's become aged. Oh, interesting. Um, and yeah, we... of our age sites, we've started ourselves and we've just kind of made them in the nursery, like a nursery where we just leave them for six months. But every now and then someone comes to us with this option and we're, we're going to take them up on it. And sometimes they might have chosen a domain name. Like I think there's one right now, which is like topelectricblankets.com or best something like that. Mm -hmm. And so these days I would want to go more broad than that. But, um, yeah, it, it's also when you're link building as well, if you do have an exact match or a partial match domain, it becomes trickier building brand links because you might inadvertently build keyword links.
0: Would you uh, purchase a, a more specific domain from a customer and, and then 301 redirect it to a, to a broader domain? Is that something that uh, is part of your toolkit or would you advise against um, that? Um-
1: you could do that. I mean, I've never felt the need to if there was a really terrible domain that was like, really like six words long and really, really like reeks of affiliate marketing, then maybe I'd do that. But for the most part, it's, it's preferable to be broad, but it's not mission critical.
0: And would you only advise dot coms and dot cos versus anything more peculiar or country specific? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can go with
1: an org or a net or maybe a .co.uk, but my philosophy is there's always a .com that you can pick up. I've never not found a .com, so...
0: And uh, do you, do you rec- I'm just getting a little bit more granular. This is what I'm working on on one of my sites at the moment. Um, and I'm experimenting with this. Do you do international targeting in Google Search Console? Um, do you recommend that to people or do you recommend leaving it um, untouched or, or set to unlisted um, with with these niches? Do you Is there a benefit in targeting a, 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 an actual geographical location or is it always uh, almost always better to, to leave it uh you know, not targeting a specific country? Um,
1: I usually don't bother targeting. I think if I wanted to target like Australia, for example, I would probably try and buy a .com.au and um, Google would automatically target that to Australia. Um, I don't know if Brits can actually buy Australian domains. So in that case, I would buy a .com and then I would go into Google search console and tell it to only focus on Australia. Mm-hmm. But I I mean, personally, I always find the best traffic and the largest volume of traffic comes from the US anyway. So I always just target the US.
0: So you would uh, specifically hit the uh, selection to target the US in the search console rather than uh, be able to um, have that same content, have have a uh, a chance to rank everywhere. it's I'm interested in the trade-off. I'm interested on in one of my sites, whether I should be targeting the UK because it's lower competition or whether I should leave that unchecked and and get uh, traffic from all around the world. it's kind of it's tricky for me to assess uh, what would be better. Um, yeah, so when I say I target the u s, what I mean
1: is i I don't target anywhere, so I just leave yep. it unchecked. and I just find that yeah, by yeah. default, you you know, like my uh, the shaving site that I'm referencing, I think when it was doing really, really well um, before I sold it, it got 80% of its traffic came from the US and the other 20% was kind of split between the UK and Canada. Yep. And maybe if it made $2,000 from US Amazon, it would make... Fifty from UK and thirty Canadian from Canada. So I always just went, yeah, I'm just gonna yep. focus on America and not worry too much.
0: I, I think I think that's the best strategy. I, and, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, sorry, I was gonna say I have been uh, curious about targeting the UK with a uh, with a .co.uk um, and seeing if there is a, a trade off and whether it the the lower commissions and lower traffic would be offset by the fact it's less competitive yeah. um, especially with amazon coming to australia in the next few months i think there might be something in targeting australian sites
0: yeah it's interesting i'm also uh, one of my sites is a travel site and i'm considering actually getting some content translated uh into foreign languages uh, as well um and looking into to how to do that for for the same reason that it's uh, a lot less competitive um but uh yeah that that's part of a process I'm, I'm trying to figure out but i think for 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 new people or kind of the default position um just you know naturally having traffic the largest traffic from the us makes the most sense and uh focusing on amazon in 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 the us probably makes the most sense for for most people
1: yeah i think so it it is it is something that maybe I could test a little bit more, but my instinct has always been to just not worry about it and just go with the US.
0: With um, with the sites that you're building for, for people and the main keyword, would you ever uh, set up the homepage to rank for that main keyword or do you think that's a bad idea and it's always better to have uh, inner pages uh, do, do the work and just um, navigate people from the homepage to the most important pages interested in your thoughts on that?
1: Um, actually the majority of sites, like the way we set them up is the main keyword. We target it on the homepage and we include like, um, a 2,500 word article on the homepage. Interesting. Um, I used to do it the other way around and then I switched to a static homepage, which a lot of people thought, why are you doing it that way? Everybody's going for blog roll homepages. And I just thought, um, To be honest, I thought, I mean, it it suits my audience more because most of my audience are beginners. It's their first website or their first kind of decent website. Um, And it makes it a lot easier for them if they just have a homepage that they can focus on ranking. And then later, they can think about building it out and making it look more like an authority site.
0: Interesting. Then as you build it out, would you want to switch uh the the page the home page to an inner page to rank for that main keyword or would you always look to to keep it as the as the, the home page ranking for that or um, the, the initial main keyword anyway
1: yeah I, I don't really think there's any right way to do it i think you if everything's going well keep the home page as it is why you know what if it ain't broke don't yep. mend it but um i don't think there's anything wrong with changing that to an inner page and making the homepage, um, a blog role or making it more of a kind of like index page where you link to mm-hmm. a few of your core inner pages. I, 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 really don't think in the, in the long run doing one way or another way is going to, it's going to be the kind of only way to succeed.
0: Yeah. For me with niche sites, uh, it makes total sense for the homepage to, uh, be targeting the the main keyword. Um, that's obviously where most of the links are, are going to come into, and uh, that makes a lot of sense for me. With, with these new sites, uh, in terms of the initial ones that you're building out, um, do you build out multiple categories in, in WordPress, or would it just be, you know, the, the, the main category is that main keyword, uh, and that's what the sites are, are built around? Do you, do you use categories to, to start with, uh, and, and do you mention how people should handle that going forward?
1: Um, so yes, we add categories, but we're also, we, we also kind of, for the same reasons that we make the homepage one article, we kind of make these websites laser focused for the, um, yep. uh, cause I, I, I used to build them out. Maybe we'd have 10 articles or eight articles and they'd all be on different categories and my customers would be asking me which one should I build links to, mm-hmm. um, what's the focus? What's the keyword I'm supposed to rank? So we said, okay, we're going to almost make them like mini silos or mini, um, categories. So we'll have like, let's, let's take, um, our basic package, which is eight articles. We'll have the homepage. We'll be like, let's say, um, best, I don't know, best electric blanket. And then we'll have two info articles, which depends what we find, but it could be something like, um, Are electric blankets safe for babies or something like that? And then another info article similar to that. And then Mm -hmm. the other five articles will be reviews. And those five articles will be... So on the homepage, we'll review the top 10 products on Amazon, which is based on their bestseller ranking. And then Mm -hmm. five of those, we will also build out individual reviews and we'll link to them from the homepage. So it's kind of like the self-contained thing yeah and then of course we'll say to people build out more categories branch out um but we find it's a lot easier if people focus on one and then branch out later yeah I, I mean for someone like me who's built loads of sites I, I i probably could just start off at the deep end with multiple categories but um mm. it's a lot harder if it's one of your first sites
0: and then the informational posts how are you linking that to and from the homepage? um what's the strategy with those which which is the page that you're recommending to people to get the most links to uh
1: the home page mm-hmm. and then the info articles we just link them back to the home page oh, um, okay yep so part of that is so that if someone finds the info article in google they'll click through to yep. the because the, the, the home page is a money page yep and then also the internal links it it's it's hard to talk about spreading authority around when there's only eight articles, but you know it kind of helps yeah. create the the authority of the homepage.
0: Very cool, very interesting. Um, do you have a, a go to link building strategy y- yourself, or uh, is it more setting up the site structure, coming up with targeting the, the right keywords, and, and getting great content and uh, letting it uh, settle in Google naturally, or, or how kind of active are you and or aggressive are you with with link building for your own sites or or recommendations for uh for customers is is it a big part of what people need to do um with with these niche sites and and do you have like a a go-to strategy um so my strategy depends on the the
1: the age and the state of the site um To answer your question, I do think link building is very important. Um, Yeah, you can succeed without it, but it's like trying to run a marathon. You could do it barefoot if you really wanted to, but why wouldn't you just wear trainers? Um, So it's like, yeah, just if link building is a very important skill, I don't know why people – well, I I do know why people don't want to do it, but Mm. um, I just think it's one of these things that you need to learn. So I'm very – um, bullish, as Americans like to say, on <laughs> link building. Yep. Um, and in terms of the actual strategy, or actually, let's go back to how aggressive I am. Um, if a site's brand new, I'm not very aggressive at all. Maybe the first month, all I'll build is branding links, which might be from social media, maybe a press release. And by branding links, we're talking about the anchor text is either naked or it's, um, it's just the, the website name. Um, and then as the site gets a bit older and I get these kind of branding links to act as a buffer, then I'll probably be a bit more aggressive. And I'm not afraid of using more gray hack techniques such as web 2.0s or PBNs. Um, I think it's actually, uh, I think it's actually quite difficult to succeed with one of these sites without the more grey hat techniques. Not saying yeah. it can't be done, but for me, I like to find a balance.
0: I mean, going as niche as uh, as you are. I mean, you, you obviously, as mentioned, we're not talking exact match domains here, but um, you know, pretty niche in terms of the the main keyword size. So I imagine there's there's not a huge number of um, particularly close-matched, you know, blogs to do outreach to. So I guess that's somewhat limited versus building out a much bigger site or, or, you know, people like to say the difference between niche sites and authority sites. Um, Is that a reality? Would there be kind of fewer outreach opportunities by, uh, you know, going down this kind of niche route And, and that's why, you know, you need to be a bit more creative?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, and especially with the fact that we're building a two thousand word money article on the homepage, it's going to be quite hard to um, do outreach because yeah. you know there's there's a lot of people out there who are kind of protective of their sites and they don't want to link to you if they think you're trying to make money from your website, um, which is kind of weird, but I guess that's the way it goes.
0: I know. So, uh, if you were to do outreach, if, if there was a recommendation, it would be so the informational posts that you create for people, and then try and link back to to the to the homepage to the money page. That would be the strategy.
1: Yeah. Or um, I also teach people about. There's lots of different things you can do for ego bait. Uh, you can do like things like expert roundups, and then mm-hmm. people might link to them. You can just create an article, like, um, ten, top ten websites about home care or something it, it really depends what your niche is but you can get a bit creative and and you just link to these people and say a little bit about their website and then you contact them and say hey i featured you and yeah something might come of it you might get a guest post out of it they might link to it it's really um it's really dependent on just who who it is you're dealing with
0: to get a site to say two thousand dollars a month Um, typically how many pages if we're saying like a page is a a thousand words um, would people need you mentioned before kind of 30 to 50 um, and kind of how many links what kind of ballpark are we talking about in terms of the number of pages and the number of links to get a a niche that's well researched by your team to to a couple of thousand dollars a month um yeah so it's a number of pages i would say
1: 30 to 50 and then at that point you can stop and take stock and decide whether you want to build more. Um, and then number of links, again, it really depends. But I'm thinking probably, like, if you build links, say 10 to 15 links at a time, like whether that's using a particular service or or building things yourself, um, I think you're probably going to need three or four waves of that. So what's that? That's close to 50 links before your site starts to Get to the top of page, uh, the bottom of page one, and then you might think, okay, do I need to build more to get it to the top? I mm-hmm. mean, it really, yep. like, I've got a couple of sites that I'm ranking now, and some of them have had about thirty links, and they've got quite a few keywords on page two now, and they're kind of getting ready to get to page one. And then I've got another site which has a lot more content; each article's two thousand words, and that one's got a lot more. Ranking with only uh, a press release, so it really depends on how well the niche is researched or or how competitive the niche might be.
0: Do you have a, a go-to tool, a go-to tool to um, determine the the competitiveness of, of the keywords or a niche? Do you have a, a software tool that um, that, you, that you would recommend over any other in order to for people to do that if they wanted to do it themselves?
1: Um. Well, yes and no. So my team uses SE Cockpit, which is a keyword tool, but no, I'm yet to find a tool that can do it all for you. Like nothing beats manual analysis. Mm-hmm. So whether you're using Ahrefs or SE Cockpit or the new one, um, keyword finder, mm-hmm. um, these things can help act as a filter. So you can find the keywords that are definitely terrible, but I would never enter a niche without manually verifying. And so as a kind of general rule, what I look for if I'm, if I'm analyzing one particular keyword, I like to see that there are a couple of other affiliate sites on page one Mm -hmm. Too, too few affiliate sites. So one or less means Google probably doesn't want to rank an affiliate site for that keyword. Uh, Too many means you're competing with a bunch of other link builders. Um, So two to three to four affiliate sites is kind of the sweet spot. Um, If you've got some forums on page one, that's even better because they're typically easy to beat. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And then you've got to look at the actual strength of the websites as well. So like if they're all like DA 60 or something, then probably that's a, a red flag. But if they're all like DA 20, they're a couple of years old and you look at them and they're basically niche sites with a few, you know, maybe 20 articles, uh, and an exact match domain, then usually you think, okay, I can, I can do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, so really it doesn't matter what keyword tool you use, assuming it's one of the, the, the good ones. Um, what really matters is what you do with that information that it gives you.
0: Brilliant. Um, what does the the future hold? What are your plans for for the business? And um, are you reinvesting everything into growing human proof designs or uh, are you investing in your own portfolio of sites or interested if you're investing outside of uh, online business at all? Um. Yeah, so
1: for the last two or three years, I've been quite aggressively reinvesting everything into human-proof designs. Um, and right now, I am investing in my own portfolio again more um, because, as I said at the beginning, it's important to kind of walk the walk as well as talking it. Um, and I just really enjoy it as well. So I, I hire my own team, basically. So I, I've got some other sites of my own on the go. Mm-hmm in terms of the future for Human Proof Designs, we um, we kind of recently re-evaluated our core values and what we're doing. And we want to lower the barrier so that we can help even more people get started and even more kind of existing people to, to scale up to the next level. So what that means is we're not just going to be selling sites and giving training to our customers. We're also going to be uh, we've just recently launched our own forum and members area, and people can join that without actually being a customer. Um, oh, wow. What's the, yeah. what's the URL for that? Um, well, it's it's members.humanproofdesigns.com, okay. but to actually sign up, um, we have a link which has not yet gone live right yeah <laughs> so no, like, i had not seen that one of my questions i'll, uh, was, uh, I'll send it to you before cool. this episode goes live Good and stuff. you can add it in the show notes uh, it will probably be uh, if i just say now like humanproofdesigns.com forward slash membership and i'll make sure that that url <laughs> is either the one or um redirects to the one
0: very cool yeah, and so that's a free resource for people and then you're going to have a, some kind of paid uh, monthly offering as well or
1: yeah so it's going to be if someone buys a website from us, they mm-hmm. get one month free access to the forum and they'll get sort of lifetime access to the kind of uh, legacy training that I made years ago, which still benefits site buyers. Um, yeah. And then, but to to get into the forum, it's paid. Excellent. So, um, we, you know, we have so much free information on our blog already. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. So one thing I'm going to be doing to kind of kick everything off is combining... Building out my portfolio again with teaching everyone. So, I'm going to do one of those over the shoulder case studies, um, but it's going to be sort of behind closed doors in the membership. Um, And then I'll be doing like a weekly webinar and people can ask me questions. And I'll say, like, this week I'm building a press release to my site. Here's how I do it, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that will be really, really beneficial to a lot of people.
0: Sounds great. How long do you think you're going to be involved in online business for? Because um, this, this yeah. is like a recurring theme for me. Uh, like, I just, I don't know, you know, at what age does, uh, do we need to, to get out of this online online space? <laughs> uh, like, do we want to be, you know, having ownership of, of portfolios, you know, well into our 40s or 50s? Um, do we want to cash out and then, you know, invest in more traditional assets? Uh, this has very much been on my mind and, and part of the reason why I wanted to uh, speak to smart people on this podcast because uh, I just... Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> what did Thomas say? Uh, yeah, he was saying, you know, they, they've got a long way to, to build. They, they want to, you know, uh, be selling much larger sites. And, uh, you know, he's got no intention of, of uh, changing any, any time in the future. But for me, like, I, I want to, you know, spend the next two years, uh, you know, focus full time on this, build up uh, a, a number of sites and uh, and then cashing out and then having a, a lump sum of capital to invest in, in more traditional places that's, I think is going to be my approach. Um, and so I'm just interested, you know, like uh, how you're personally viewing that. And, and do you think you'll be, uh, you know, owning or involved, uh, in online business, a decade from now?
1: Um, yeah, that's a interesting question. And I, I think about it, I guess I haven't thought about it in the kind of online offline way. Like I've I've wondered, will I sell my business at any time? And if I do, um, when and for how much or whatever. Um, but I think if I did like, let's assume I exited human proof designs in the near future and it was a nice exit with a decent amount of money. Um, I think I would probably start another internet business sooner or later because I would get bored and I'd want to do something that I'm, I know I can do. Like it would probably be totally unrelated, but, Hmm. um, at the same time I have been thinking a lot more because now I'm in a position where I've actually finally got some money in the bank, um, where I've been thinking, well, what am I going to do with this? And things like investing in real estate or more, I don't know, yeah, more traditional investments are things I'm looking into, um, but I don't know whether that's because that's the, the the logical thing to do or whether because the internet hasn't been around long enough. So there haven't really been many people in our situation before. So we only know that once you get money, you invest in real estate. But maybe that's not actually the best thing to do anymore.
0: Definitely not right now, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, in terms yeah. of uh, how hot the markets are. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean... As as automated and as passive as as we make these these sites, um, they're not truly passive in the same way as, as traditional investments. You know, owning shares in companies, owning real estate, um, and you know, it, it you you need they they do always uh, require your your attention, even if you're not doing the day to day. You know, it's always uh, your ultimate responsibility, um, and I quite like the idea of. Retiring young financially, and not having kind of any responsibility or any kind of you know stress or background noise, and and having capital invested in in completely passive uh, investments. You know, obviously, if you if you're purchasing online businesses, you can get you know crazy returns. You can get forty percent returns uh, typically with like a two and a half times multiple. Um, and you know, in the traditional investment world, you know you'll be doing very well if you're breaking ten percent. So. The, the amount that, that you can earn is, is definitely limited, but it is completely passive and I do like that idea of being in that position and not having to worry about where to allocate and is there gonna be an update from, from Google or, you know, uh, are these things going to die any minute. <laughs> I do like the idea of 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 cashing out, getting that capital and then investing it in uh, in completely passive and more, you know, safer places and, and then that will free me up to you know, for the next kind of chapter in my life. I like that idea. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, with
1: online businesses, there's definitely more avenue for wealth creation, but probably not, you know, like if I was earning $50,000 a month, and it was 100% from websites that I had bought, and as hands off as they might be, like maybe I only have to do one hour a week, just checking in with my project managers. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really sleep that well at night, knowing that the next Google update That's could right. wipe wipe it out. Whereas, if you if you wanted to get fifty thousand dollars from traditional investments, maybe you would need sort of like I don't know six million to actually make it happen. But um, mm-hmm. if it was through uh, like a um, real estate portfolio or dividends from some safe stocks or something at least you would probably be able to sit on the beach a little bit more comfort- comfortably so yeah. yeah i think i think i'm certainly committed for the next decade to online business because i'm enjoying it mm-hmm. and i'm only 32 so i'm still
0: I thought I've got to go 37
1: but that's still that's still young in yeah, terms of but 40 where is, we are
0: 40 is is around the corner for me or at least it feels like that and and I just want to you know I'm just thinking uh you know do I want to be doing this in my 40s and and uh I think the answer is no <laughs> like like or at least to have you know to, to do it just for fun but not to not for any kind of financial uh requirement yeah. or anything um so yeah, it's interesting perspective. Yeah, thirty-two, uh I wouldn't I don't think I'd be I'd be thinking this right now, but uh I've been doing this for uh, a little bit longer than yourself, but definitely I didn't get into kind of the online asset and affiliate marketing stuff to around 2012-13 as well. Um but I just uh yeah, I'm just not sure what is the what is the best thing. But I do like the idea of being able to build up these sites, exit them for 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 you know the uh the kind of 25x and then have that capital to to invest and and have a truly passive income that that really does interest me and does excite me um as much as building building up these sites so i'm not sure the future episodes we'll see what, what what happens with this discussion but interesting to hear that you're starting to think about what to do with with capital outside of of online business as well
1: yeah um Ask me again in five years, maybe <laughs> I'll uh, <laughs> I'll have changed my attitude. Well, but my, it is, yeah, yeah I was going to say like, um, you can tell it's a hot topic as well when you, you see Dynamite Circle threads and whenever there's anything about um, investing or anything, people are jumping all over it. It's clearly very popular, but, but at the same time, nobody really actually knows. You know, there are so many different opinions in there and um, it's interesting that none of us, have really been taught this. We've kind of figured it out as we've gone along, and yeah.
0: My my favorite podcast uh, over the last year has been Invest Like a Boss. Okay. you with Sam Marks and, and Johnny FD uh, from the uh, uh, Travel Like a Boss podcast, Invest Like a Boss has been an incredible education for me, and I, I wouldn't even be having these thoughts without without learning from that show. Uh, and it's interesting, you, you know, you, you obviously would have heard of Johnny FD. Um, mm-hmm. if you're not too aware of, of you know he's got affiliate marketing background and, and did a lot of drop shipping and he last month uh, announced that he retired he got to half a million net worth uh, and with his lifestyle and living in Asia uh, he's able to financially retire now and know that that will he's got income coming in and coming in and his capital will will com- compound mm-hmm. and he'll get to uh, you know seven figures on net worth uh, pretty quickly and so he doesn't actually have to do Anything for the money anymore, and I really like. I, I want to join. Uh, I want to get to that position myself as soon as possible. I really like the idea of of getting to a capital amount and uh, and being financially retired. Uh, and like the, the discussions that they're having in terms of where they're investing their their capital is just fascinating. There's so many places. There's a lot of options. Uh, and so, yeah, this is, uh, my real interest right now is, is what do I do when I, when I have actually cashed out as, as well? Um, it's a great podcast and I see you've, uh, also recently launched your own podcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We've, um, we've got about eight episodes live right now. I don't know how many will be live by the time this one goes live, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's something I wanted to do about two or three years ago. And I always said, Oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, eventually i just went you know what i'm gonna just do it
0: yeah good stuff i've been listening to to a few episodes um how are you finding the podcast and this is my my second attempt and it's not an easy process
1: (laughs) um it's fun i think it's definitely a lot better when when you have someone on there with you Mm um like the first few i guess the first half dozen episodes i i did them solo and Um, I felt like I was just kind of rambling a bit. Um, like I've had generally positive, well, I've, I've had only positive feedback from it, but Mm -hmm. certainly like the, the next sort of like episode 11 onwards, um, I have guests on and it's a lot better and we've done they're, They're very similar to how we've done this episode, just like two people chatting and some general questions to steer the conversation. Um, but it's, it's early, so I don't really know how it's going and I don't really know what I'm trying to get out of it, whether it's for lead generation or mm-hmm. I just want another medium to educate my audience or um, I want to do it so that I get interviewed for more podcasts. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really know. I
0: just figure yeah. I want to start it. So I did. Yeah, me too. Me too. I have no real, real plan. Um, but yeah, very, very similar thoughts. I think it can only be a, a very useful tool. Uh, if not from, you know, additional marketing channel, but just to connect with, with smart people that you can learn from, um, Mm. great stuff. Cheers, Don. What's the best place for for people to to reach out to you online or or personally?
1: Um, just go to humanproofdesigns.com and either check out the blog and stuff or send me a message via the contact form.
0: Brilliant. Great stuff. Appreciate your time. And, uh, how long are you in the UK for now? uh i'm here till september 20th
1: ish and then i don't know about that after that okay we'll have to meet up
0: definitely great stuff all right thanks don appreciate it no worries